0: Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Braxton Hunter, and this is Trinity Radio. And today we're going to be taking a look at a video that involves a number of atheist YouTubers called Imagine a World Without Religion. And we're going to um, imagine that world with them and see what kind of world it's like. So, this is a great video because it allows us to speak to a number of issues and also Uh, It's interesting, this video was apparently banned from YouTube at some point. I think it was on Godless Cranium's channel first. And then he provided a link and told others that they could feel free to mirror it. So somehow, maybe because of all of that, I missed this somewhere. But uh, it's a great video to respond to, allows us to talk about some interesting topics. And so we're gonna jump right into that. And we'll begin by taking a look at what Godless Cranium himself has to say to set up the video.
1: Religion in US worth more than Google and Apple combined. Huh, that's crazy. That's just in the US. Imagine how much it would be worldwide. Faith economy worth one point two trillion a year, more than combined revenues of ten biggest tech firms in America, study shows. Religion in the United States is worth one point two trillion a year, making it equivalent to the fifteenth largest national economy in the world according to a study. The faith economy has a higher value than the combined revenues of the top 10 technology companies in the U.S., including Apple, Amazon, and Google, says the analysis from Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Ugh. Imagine a world where that money went towards humanitarian aid or medical research. Wouldn't that be something? Imagine a world. Imagine a world.
0: Yeah, let's imagine uh, the world that you're describing right now. So um, what we want is or what he's imagining is if it were the case that religion wasn't a thing, there were no religion, then more of the money, there would be more support for humanitarian aid and medical research. That's what would happen. In other words, charitable giving, specifically those kinds, would uh, be greater or would increase or some something like that. Um, that's an interesting hypothesis. Now, there have been many, many studies that have shown that religious people are quite charitable, to say the least. And so that's an important thing to consider. But, um, you know, uh, let's consider this a little bit more deeply. There are some who want to point out Friendly Atheist has uh, an article, I think, him at Meta, where he talks about how, uh, yeah, the. the you know, uh, Christian people, religious people are charitably giving, but they're giving to the church. And of course, that's not a charity that we atheists think is relevant, or at least not broadly relevant. We're talking about humanitarian aid and things like that. Uh, Of course, this would miss the point completely that much of what the church does is to provide precisely these kinds of uh, 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 charitable funds. I mean, for example, um, Uh, When we talk about overseas missionaries, overseas missionaries are not just going over there to preach the gospel. They're going over there to live the gospel and to help in very physical and tangible ways. Churches are uh, commonly have clothing banks, food banks. They help people with their rent checks. They help people with um, their electric bill, their water bill. In fact, even if you're an atheist, even if you're a Muslim, uh, if you in your community need those kinds of funds because you can't live for whatever reason, then chances are you're gonna to go to a church because those churches can help you. I know this from personal experience. I lived in a small town in Middle Tennessee when I was pastoring my second church, and it was quite common for people to come and ask for help with those kinds of things. And guess what? Most churches have thought through this problem Or this opportunity, we should say. And as a result, they have systems. Uh, They have budgets for this. They have a process by which they vet who should receive these funds. Are people abusing the system? Every town has churches that are doing this. Every town in the United States and many cities around the world have Christian churches who are engaging in these kinds of activities to help the people uh, with problems just like this. Um, someone's house burns down; the church is going to take up an offering to uh, give to help with uh, with this situation for these people. This is a very very common thing, and of course, it's not just that; it, it also uh, disaster relief and uh, orphanages and all these kinds of things. This is going on around the world by Christians, but let's actually get some numbers on it. The biggest, according to Forbes, that studied this last year and produced a top 10 list of charitable organizations, um, United Way was at the top, $3.3 billion. Now, according to studies done to find out how much tithers are giving to Christian churches in America, just in America, it's $50 billion. Now, United Way has is giving $3.3 billion. Churches are receiving from tithers 50 billion. Now you might say, yeah, but back to him at Meta's point, you know of that 50 million that's being given to the church. but how much of that is actually going to some kind of uh, aid or some kind of charity something that atheists would consider to be charitable? Well, Christians uh, churches are known for doing that kind of work. Um, and if you want to if you want to think about the numbers in a realistic way, think about this. 3.3 billion. That's the benchmark. That's what United Way is doing. So, out of the 50 billion dollars that tithers are giving to the church in the United States, all we need is to find out that the church is giving not half of their money to these organization, uh, to, to charitable causes, not even a third, but only 3.4 billion of their 50 billion dollars. Do you think they're doing that? I think that's a pretty safe bet. That is a small percentage of what they're taking in, and of course, the church exists in part to do that. Now, what about um, what about uh, the idea that uh, that that we could, if people weren't giving to their church, maybe they would give directly to these sorts of causes? Well, the idea that you should be benevolent with your funds is something that is uh, a part of Christian life that you should give of yourself for the good of another. In fact, some of these other, other organizations that are in the top 10 list of Forbes are faith-based organizations anyway. And even the ones like United Way are probably receiving a lot of money from Christians who consider that a part of their Christian duty to give to such charitable organizations. So the very hand that would feed you if you were in a bad situation and needed someone to feed you, regardless of your worldview, is likely going to be the church. And so this sort of a criticism just doesn't hold, just doesn't hold any water. Uh, what about medical research? Well, I can't speak directly to medical research, although this benevolent giving probably extends to um, medical research. But let's consider an article from Johns Hopkins uh, School of Medicine called Christianity and Modern Medicine. Christianity and Modern Medicine in the article, this is from 2017, which is about the time that the video from these atheist YouTubers came out. Uh, They were talking about the importance of faith in the field of medicine. They had a panel discussion where they discussed this and talked about how uh, this motivated some of these medical professionals to be in the medical field to begin with because of uh, their desire to help people because their Christianity instilled that. This is specifically Christianity, by the way. From the article, quote, For most providers, faith also played a pivotal role in the selection of healthcare as a career. The importance of serving others is a common theme among major religions, and Christianity is full of the deeds of those who chose to help others. According to Nancy Schoenborn, a geriatrician at Johns Hopkins, she sees medicine as, quote, a calling that I am called to serve, and that is why I go the extra mile to do the extra stuff for my patients, end quote. Another provider, Angel Bird, a fellow in the Department of Dermatology, discussed how her desire to go into medicine came from witnessing her mother's career as a social worker and seeing the impact of her mother had on the mental health of her clients. Bird eventually developed an interest in serving those who needed to be cared for, and quote, asked God to help me unfold the path that is right for me every step of the way. So this idea, I think that 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 uh, I don't, I don't think anyone in this list would would say this. I don't think any of these YouTubers would actually say this. But the impression that's given is, well, you've got these medical researchers, you've got these medical professionals, and they're more at home with the secularism and the atheism and all that. And then you you faith people, you're just pastors and preachers and church attendees. The fact of the matter is that a lot of the people in the medical field are Christians and are doing what they're doing because of Christianity. And given the amount of charitable giving that Christians are doing in the world in general, uh, it's likely that a lot of the money that's going toward this medical research is coming from Christians anyway. So this is, uh, this is an interesting um, uh, criticism. Imagine a world without religion. You're imagining a world that would likely, by all accounts, have far less charitable giving. And so I don't think you want to imagine that world very much. All right, let's go on and take a look at where the video goes from there.
1: Imagine a world where you never read the headline, faith-healing parents charged with murder in death of premature twin baby. The Mitchells, driven by religion, failed to send for medical aid when their newborn baby stopped breathing. The baby died mere hours later. If not for the intervention of the medical examiner, her twin sister may have died as well. This is nothing new. The mother's own sister was sentenced to six years in prison for the death of her newborn son. Worse, the majority of states have laws protecting parents and religious leaders from prosecution for child neglect, abuse, or even death for withholding medical care on religious grounds. And abetted by this legal cover, at least 140 children have died of perfectly treatable medical conditions in the united states from 1975 to 1995. imagine a world without needless suffering from faith healing
0: okay uh yeah so this begins a trend and this happened several times in the video and um i've written down actually my thoughts on this i want to i want to point out what i think the major problem with this sort of thinking is notice that what has just happened is the youtuber has pointed to a minority of a minority of a minority of the Christian religion. Uh, so uh, is, does this represent most of the Christians you know? Absolutely not. Does this represent the thinking of uh, the majority of Christians, half of the Christians, a substantial chunk of Christians? No, it does not. And by the way, the fact that there are some Christians who believe in faith healing doesn't mean that all of the Christians who believe in faith he, faith healing, which is already a minority of religion, of Christianity in general, Not all of those who believe in faith healing necessarily believe you shouldn't seek medical attention. So whether you think that's an inconsistency or not, that's what's happening. And so I don't think this holds. But this begins um, a concern that I think shows up in several of the uh, of the YouTubers in this list. A theme in this video that occurs multiple times is a fallacy of generalization. The speakers point to obvious abuses that take place either in a particular religion or that take place only among the minorities of minorities of minorities of a religion. And, and rather than using specificity in their attack, as we all know, specificity is the soul of narrative, and putting those things in the Islam bucket or the Scientology bucket or the extreme sect of Christianity bucket, they have one big bucket that says religion and put it all in that bucket. And you could do that with almost anything. Rather than specifically pointing out where the abuse is taking place, or the particular religion, or the particular sect of religion, if you just put it on religion in general, you could do that with anything. So for example, let's imagine men. I happen to be a man. Well, we could say, imagine a world without men. What would that world be like? Imagine a world without men. I mean, some men are white supremacists, right? Some men are sex abusers. Some men are dictators. Uh, you know, evil dictators. All right, so imagine a world, and instead of putting each of those evils or each of those criticisms into the white supremacy bucket or the um, sex abuser bucket or the dictator bucket, instead we just have one big bucket that says men and we just put it all in that bucket. Wouldn't it be a better world if there were no men? And by the way, if there are some of you women out there who are amening that sentiment, You could do the same thing with the evils done by women. And I won't go there, but obviously there are many evils that are also done by women. So should we just do away with women or should we put those in the child abuse bucket or the spouse abuse bucket or whatever bucket that a woman's evils happen to go into? Uh, Obviously, we shouldn't do away with women in general or men in general, and you could do it with other things as well. Imagine a world without computers. Are there evils done using computers? Yes, there are. Uh, imagine a world uh, without cars, automobiles. I mean, there are people who use automobiles to, to harm other people. There are cars that malfunction and people die. There's all kinds of things we could say about cars, but instead of putting those in the malfunction bucket or or the mechanics bucket or, or what or the reckless homicide bucket or whatever else you want to say, we put them in the car bucket and we just do away with cars. You see how this could be applied to literally everything. and. I'm tempted to talk about what would happen if instead of talking about the evils done by specific atheists, we just had one big atheist bucket and put all of those into the atheist bucket and said, imagine a world without atheists. That would be very interesting, wouldn't it? You can do this with any concept, any person, any object. So this is a problem that I think appears multiple times in this video. So when this individual brings up um, something that happened with some parents that believe in faith healing and withheld medical attention for their children, I have never met such a person in real life. And I have been in the church, multiple denominations, uh, of varying size, all of my life. I've been in hundreds. I've been in way more churches than most of the people you'll meet. I've been in way more churches than most of the Christian YouTubers you'll meet. Why? Because for a long time, I had a ministry of traveling and speaking in different churches all over the world. And I've been in all kinds. And guess what? I've never met the person that would operate this way. Are there people like that? Of course. But they are the minority of the minority of the minority. So instead of putting those in the criminal bucket or... If I give you everything you want, it would have to be the extreme minority of Christianity bucket. You want to put that in the religion bucket and say, just dump it all. Or even uh, the softer, more mild claim, the Christian bucket, and then ditch Christianity. But that wouldn't make much sense, would it? Because you could run that experiment on literally anything or anyone, and it proves far too much. So... Um, hopefully the reductio has sunk in. All right, so let's move on with the video and see if we get anything else like that.
2: Bigots had to admit that their gay hatred is their own idea, where they can't say it's not them, it's just their god's commands. Imagine a world with no religious arguments against gay marriage, where nobody was stoned or beheaded just for being queer. Imagine a world where nobody had to be ashamed to reveal their true self. Imagine a world with no religion.
0: Imagine a world. Okay, yeah. I first of all, I um I see this happening again. Same thing as in the last video. Are, are there so are there people that hate uh, homosexual individuals? Yeah. Are there atheists like that? Absolutely. Are there Christians like that? Yes, there are. But do most Christians? And I'm, not, I'm I'm just going to speak for Christianity here because of course, if you wanted to take what's happening in Islam or any other religion and apply that back to the religion bucket as a whole, that makes the same mistake as we just mentioned. But so does this, because are there people in Christianity who hate homosexuals and are bigoted? Yes, there are. Some people think that's me, but that's a claim to know my personal psychological state, and I have news for you. I do not hate gay people. I'm not bigoted toward gay people. I've got uh, one very, very close friend who's gay. So, I don't have this uh, most Christians do not hate homosexuals. I understand how um that's a good talking point, but of course I recall um being at the Southern Baptist Convention, a denomination that many people think is very bigoted uh for reasons that I don't think they could easily justify. And m- multiple years when I was going there regularly as a Southern Baptist pastor, I would see the group protesting across the street. At sometimes, at least in one case in Indianapolis, trying to bust into the uh, to to the convention center. I, I mean, I, I've seen this happen. And and guess what? While they're protesting, the Baptist pastors who are supposed to be these bigoted, hate-filled, you know, whatever are bringing them water bottles and making sure they have everything they need because it's hot out here and bringing um, uh, chicken sandwiches. We promise not from Chick-fil-A, you know, all that kind of thing, bringing them to try and help out and make sure these people are comfortable. And, and yes, telling them that we love them and we care about them. We don't hate them. So I hear this a lot. And of course, there are Christians that are like that. But again, this is to take a small subset of, uh, of Christianity or, or of some other religion and then applying that in the religion bucket as a whole. And that just doesn't fly. Um, she said something about, well, you're hiding behind your God. And she would probably say that of me. Oh, you, you you actually do hate homosexuals and you are bigoted, but you're hiding behind your God and just saying, hey, it's not me, it's him. Um, well, th- the fact of the matter is, I do believe that Christian scripture is true. And so I believe, you know, Romans 1 and 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, and what those passages say about a particular type of activity uh, and I believe that's true. but that and, and that is one of my bases for this. There's also natural law basis for this. Um, but the fact is, that doesn't mean that I'm hiding behind those things. I'm openly stating those things. It doesn't mean that I hate homosexuals. So this claim of homophobia, I, I, I think, just falls flat. Um, and, of course, after all, even if that was the truth, which it's not, do you have any objective moral standing to speak out against it? We'll have more on that later, but I think this is important. And I think, again, it falls right back into the problem of taking something that is true of, if exactly as she said, it is true of some people, a minority of a minority of a minority, and applying it to not even just Christianity, but religion in general. And this, of course, is a major mistake that, as I said, would come up multiple times. Let's keep going religious wars
1: without violent acts of terrorism rooted in brainwashed indoctrination where we unite to build a world worth living in rather than suicide bombing a crowd to escape it
0: imagine a world okay um is that is that something that is true of christianity well there have been wars done um in the name of christ done done by christians in the past but that's not a true expression of Christianity, and it's not happening uh, like that um, in, in a big way today. And if it is happening somewhere, um, then that's not that's not a true representation of Christianity. But the fact is, who's he talking about here really? He's talking about Islam. He's talking about Islam. And again, this is to take something that is true of a specific religion, and Muslims can defend themselves on this charge, um, but um, if they want to, it's not my job to defend Islam. But they're taking something that's true of of people within Islam and then they're applying it to religion as a whole. That shouldn't go in the religion bucket. If anything, that should go in the Islam bucket. That doesn't go in the religion bucket along with Christianity and everything else. Are there Christians who have bombed people? Perhaps, you know, abortion bombings or something like that. I haven't heard of any of those in a really long time. But the fact of the matter is, again, that would be a criminal. That would be an extreme minority of a minority of a minority of a minority that would not even need to go in the Christianity bucket. There are all kinds of people who do all kinds of terrible things. Do we need to talk about the atheist influence and do we need to talk about things that have happened in the United States because of particular individual atheists and their actions Uh, and Uh, for sure, worldwide in the 20th century. Do we want to go down that road? I know all the responses. Oh, those weren't done because of the atheism or they weren't done in the name of the atheism. We can have that debate. But wouldn't the more reasonable thing be to just say, you know what? People do crummy things. Some people claiming to be Christians do crummy things. Some people who are atheists do crummy things and not put that in the religion bucket? And then, worst of all, as I've seen happen, try to offload atheist regimes as somehow being religious because they operated in a way that seems religious or something like that. Look, people can be crummy, but that doesn't go in the religion bucket. And if it does go in the religion bucket, it doesn't go in the Christian bucket. I mean, I mean do you see the problem of generalizing everything to religion instead of being specific about where this is actually happening? Uh, let's keep trucking. I think that this clip from Rationality Rules is pretty short, so I may have already gone through much of it. Who didn't claim jurisdiction over the experience of others based on what they've taken on faith. This seems to me to be a, another example we saw in the last video of some kind of a projection. Um, the reason that I say that is because you're asking me not to question the experience of others because of faith. But I regularly hear, I've had a couple of very meaningful experiences in my life. I've never uh, visibly seen something supernatural or um, tangibly felt something supernatural. I've never heard an audible voice of God or anything like that. But I have had uh, a couple of very, very meaningful experiences that that I'm not using as evidence for you. I'm just telling you that this is anecdotal to me. I get that. I'm not saying it's true for you because I experienced it. or or that you have reason to believe because I experienced it. I'm just saying I've had some very meaningful, I believe, encounters with God that it would be very, very difficult to convince me didn't really happen. And in those moments, I remember saying to myself, Braxton, you don't ever need to experience doubt about the Christian message ever again because of uh, what you're experiencing right now. But The fact that I just said that means there will be people in this comment stream for this video, as there have been every time I've talked about those experiences, where people try to tell me what my experience was. They try to tell me that uh, because I have no reason to believe in God, that those experiences are just um, chemical reactions in my brain, they're just uh, psychosomatic, all these kinds of things. Now remember, these are the people that overwhelmingly describe themselves not as atheists in the sense that uh, they, be- they affirm the position that God does not exist, but they simply lack a belief in God. They are not convinced of God's existence. Interesting that they seem to have a fair amount of confidence in telling me that uh, this God that they don't know if it exists or not isn't have isn't uh, encountering me in some way or giving me an encounter of his existence. Um, Sometimes it really does seem like these people that lack a belief in God seem to affirm the position that God does not exist when you get down into, um, in, into the, the nooks and crannies of worldview discussions. But that's a topic for another show. The fact is, I, it, it, this is an attempt to reinterpret my experience, right? Um, now, it does happen both ways, but not, not as much as that happens. What happens sometimes is you'll have presuppositional apologists who will say things like, um, well, you really know that there's a God but you're just lying to yourself because of a particular understanding of the book of Romans, what Paul says there. But uh, that's not the position I take. Um, I, I, I have a way of explaining that that I have in a short video uh, that you can go look, out, but look up. But, um, but it seems to me this is projection. This is what atheists do to me all the time. This is what atheists do to other Christians, is they try to reinterpret um, my experience based on what must be a position of faith, uh, on, on um, a non-Christian definition, a colloquial understanding of faith, because after all, they admit that they don't know for sure that there's not a God. But they seem pretty sure that my experience is just a chemical reaction or psychosomatic or something like that. So that would be my response to this. All right, let's keep trucking.
1: Well, L. Ron Hubbard, the founder of Scientology, would have never been born. Therefore, we would have never been introduced to such a stupid, illogical, dumb <coughs> belief system. But instead, this religion today is worth over one point seven five billion dollars. This money, if L. Ron Hubbard would have never been born, could have easily went into scientific endeavor for kids, for schools for reason and philosophy and logic. But too bad, that would be a good world to
0: imagine okay um, this this is interesting there are those people that would make the case that because of the very ambiguous things that Scientology says about God's existence that this is that Scientology is actually some kind of an atheist organization. I'm not gonna make that claim here. I'm just gonna agree yes I think that Scientology is is false. I think that their creation story is false. I think that uh, that uh, th- that there's a lot of bunk stuff going on with Scientology. Um, I, I teach a course on cults at Trinity College Seminary, and I have a whole section on Scientology. I think that much of what they're doing is absurd. I want to be careful with my language because in case there's a Scientologist that hears this, I, I don't want to I don't want to shut you down by being overtly insulting about this. But yeah, I. I feel a lot of what he's saying there. But again, what are we doing? Do you see the theme emerging? I hope that you do. I really hope that you do. I think this is really simple to recognize. You're taking Scientology and the things that are the evils in Scientology and the falsehood in Scientology, and you're putting that in the scient oh no, the religion bucket, and saying, therefore yeah, I, we shouldn't have religion. I mean, that's clearly the implication is that we, sh- we should do away with religion because of Scientology. That is, that is like taking a particular ridiculous thing that some men do and saying we shouldn't have any more men. A particular ridiculous thing that women do and say we shouldn't have any more women. Now, if you're the kind of person that says, wait a minute, but we have evidence that men and women exist and computers exist and all these kind of things. So the analogy doesn't hold. We don't have any evidence that God exists, some might say. That would be to misunderstand the analogy. You do believe that religion exists, and that's what we're talking about. Just because there are some, whatever you want to say about the truth of the beliefs of of some religions, the fact is men and women exist, religions exist, and so you can run the analogy. Are there some ridiculous and evil and wicked things done by some religions? Yes. Are there some ridiculous and false things believed and done by extreme minorities of Christianity? Yes, there are. Are there are there things like Scientology? Yes, Islam, yes. Does that mean you take all those things, put them in the religion bucket? That is to lack specificity. It represents really bad thinking. And it would be the same as saying, there are some men that believe some evil and false things, so we should do it with men or computers or cars or however you wanna play with the analogy. And so uh, it happens here too. Let's keep trucking.
1: Said or written was taken on the authority of the speaker or writer, where every claim was accepted only proportionally to the supporting evidence, where such evidence and the interpretation was continually challenged and therefore improved, where the support for
0: the claims was not only readily available to everyone, it was frequently accessed by everyone. Well, I imagine... Yeah, so uh, Paul Ogier offers a, a criticism here uh, or a suggestion here. Uh, maybe we shouldn't just take things on everybody's authority. Maybe we should really question and work through it. And maybe then we should try to figure out what we can really know and all these kind of things. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so do most Christians. Um, the fact of the matter is that, well, you know what? I'm not even going to say that's true of most Christians. I think most Christians should think that way. Uh, but I'll give you that. Maybe most Christians don't. I haven't interviewed most Christians but the the christians that are in the worldview discussion that are thinking about this at this level yeah we're we're fine with that the thing the difference is we're not assuming that these things are false we have gotten past the pedantic discussion about whether or not a god exists we open our eyes and see evidence of god's existence everywhere we run philosophical arguments that demonstrate the existence of god to a high likelihood and so we're done with that now so now the question is what's he like what is god like and then we, we work that out. We just we try to discuss, uh, can we trust Scripture? Um, some people want to talk about how much of Scripture do we trust? What can we know for sure? How do we treat these documents? Okay, here's what we think about that. So let's reason together with Scripture. We do all these kind of things, philosophically, theologically. We put all this stuff together and we work it out in exactly the way that's being discussed. I don't know about you, but most, most of the people that I'm in, Facebook groups with, and that I work with who are interested in theology, don't just take this stuff on, on someone's word. They, they, they want to work it out. So, um, to this, to this part of the video, I can say, yeah, I think we should operate that way. Now that's not to say that we don't recognize that we have an authority. Everyone has an authority. Everyone has an authority they listen to and that they quote, whether that authority is imposed upon them or whether they take on that authority for themselves. Um, For example, uh, many atheists will make for themselves a particular atheist scientist like Sean Carroll or a philosopher, an atheist philosopher, and they will make that person their authority when it comes to these matters. Everyone has authorities and there's nothing wrong with having an authority, Uh, but you should think things through. And Christians have authorities, but we think these things through. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's keep trucking.
3: About religion, I don't necessarily imagine a perfectly peaceful world. What I do imagine, however, is a world where we aren't living in a reality where people are killing over their imaginary friends every single day. I don't imagine a world where people would always have reasonable discussions despite a difference in ideas. But what I do imagine is a world where people aren't scared for their lives when they criticise or discuss others' ideas. A world where we don't make excuses for extremists because someone offended their religion. Imagine Imagine a world without organized religion, particularly Islam. A world where freedom of ideas doesn't mean a risk to human lives every single day.
0: Okay, she even says it right there. Specifically Islam. Yeah, the stuff that you were describing there is stuff that happens within Islam. So again, I'm not here to defend Muslims. They can tackle that if they want to make their own response video. But those things that she's describing about Islam do not go in the religion bucket with Christianity and everything else. They go in the Islam bucket. I think I've said that enough now, but you see this is a major, major problem uh, again and again in the video. Let's keep going.
2: A world without hijab, where you can see the wind blow through an Iranian girl's luscious, beautiful hair. Or at least imagine a world without niqab, where you can brush your hand across her smooth skin on her face. Or at least imagine a world without Burka. So at the very least you can see her eyes. Or Betty.
0: Okay, um well let's let him finish.
2: About imagine a world without Islam.
0: Yes. That's fine. Those things, first of all, that video, no offense to the person who made it, struck me as a little bit creepy. Um I don't know from whence this individual comes. I don't know where he's traveled in the world, but I've been in a majority Muslim country. I lived in Turkey for a month uh, in 2018 and while we were making a documentary there, and the entire crew was Iranian individuals who were now living in Turkey. Uh, I, I met a particular young woman while we were there who used to be a television personality in Iran and had to wear the hijab, when she was on television. In fact, she had to sign a contract to that effect. And now that she's in Turkey, she's a television personality and does not wear the hijab. And because of that, she can never go back to Turkey. There are several reasons she can't go back to Turkey. That's one of them, because she appeared on television without the hijab. You know what I didn't think? I really want to be able to see her hair. I really want to be able to run my hand on her cheek. I want to gaze into her eyes. Because the way that's stated, and I don't mean to be overly um, difficult here, or critical but don't you want to be able to say see her beautiful hair and uh, stroke her cheek and look into her eyes you're describing pleasures that you get out of looking upon her How about the pleasure she gets, the rights that she has? Now, don't you think it'd be great to say we should do away with the hijab so that she can let her hair free, so that she can be treated with the same respect as men? Don't you think that would be a better way to approach it? But I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt and say that that's really what he meant by that. And he didn't mean to in any way um, say the hijab should be gone so that he could gain pleasure from looking on Iranian women. Uh, The fact is, uh, this is all stuff that I I agree with and doesn't need to go in the religion bucket, but needs to go in the Islam bucket. In fact, the young woman that I'm talking about um, didn't go to atheism because she realized how horrible religion was because of her years in Islam dominated Iran, but rather she's a Christian now. You know what she doesn't have to do as a Christian? Wear that hijab. So, you know, um, put it in the Islam bucket. Don't put it in the Christian bucket or the religion bucket in general. All right, let's keep trucking.
3: Imagine a world where no one spends precious time and money on treatments of disease which are not evidence-based. Countless lives are lost every year because people fall victim to pseudoscientific practices that just simply don't work. Often, these practices are based on beliefs involving the supernatural. Regardless of their origin, though, practices without an evidential basis are dangerous when relied upon as medical treatment. As a result, effective treatments are disregarded and fatal diseases are allowed to run their full course, ultimately tearing grandparents from their grandkids, tearing mothers and fathers from their children, and in strokes of the cruelest form of cosmic injustice, tearing children from all those who cherish them above all else. Envision a reality where no belief in pseudoscience or the supernatural, which allow for such offenses to humanity, exist, and ask yourself, Would such a reality be one with fewer atrocities in favor of greater health and happiness? In doing this,
0: okay. Well, let's let him finish. The first step in making that reality our very own. Imagine a world. Okay. Um. I'm against all that stuff too, except for the supernatural and religion. I'm against people using that, you know, weird uh, stuff that hasn't been demonstrated to work, uh, medical stuff like that. And if this were to go to prayer, we don't say you pray in isolation. You can pray and still go through proper medical uh, treatments and things like that. Um, If your comment is, well, then why pray? We have several whole episodes on that uh, from last year that you can go and check out. But the point is, those are again people that are in the extreme minorities of minorities of minorities within particular religions. And there are people who do that sort of thing who are not in any religions. So that goes in the, uh, extremes bucket or the religion, perhaps the, the, uh, the, uh minority, extreme minority, minority, minority bucket, and not in the religion bucket. Again, this is a simple concept. I don't know how this didn't dawn on anyone. You could say the same thing about women or men or computers or cars or dogs or grass or anything that you can think of. People have choked on grass, I guess. Grass has caught fire. Be better without grass. I don't know. Let's go. gave serious thought to questions of why we love, why we feel wonder and awe, and why we consider some actions moral and others immoral. Where we continue to plumb the depths of these mysteries using what we learn to make ourselves and society better instead of just deciding they're all inevitably spiritual concepts that had to come from god claims there can't possibly be secular answers to these questions just because they themselves chose to stop thinking about them okay um what is the so we want we need to be able to plumb the depths of these ideas we need to really be able to explore them how do you plumb the depths of these ideas on naturalistic atheism, in a world without where all you have is physical matter in motion, how, how? Because the answer there is this is a product of evolution. This is just chemical interactions happening, and uh, in terms of morality, this is just the result of uh, you know our evolutionary sociological evolutionary development. Um, what's good for the herd is good for me, you know this kind of thing. Um, that's it. That's, that's the answer. It's done. There's no plumbing any further depths. Now, on the other hand, if you want to take a religious perspective or specifically a Christian perspective, since that's what I'm defending, you can really have a meaningful and deep discussion about these things where you can plumb the depths of it. What is the objective foundation for these things? Is there an objective foundation for them? Um, on, on, on atheistic naturalism, there just isn't. Here we can actually talk about it and talk about why certain things are moral or immoral in an objective way. And we can, and we, and we don't have to exclude. I mean, it's not like we exclude the fact that certain chemical interactions happen in our brain, but we can talk about stuff happening beyond that. Um, and that's a part of the human experience. But I don't think that it's the religious people that are shutting down that discussion. I think it's the naturalists who are shutting down that discussion by saying, it's just matter of motion, it's just chemicals, it's just our evolutionary history, that's all it is. There's a much deeper discussion that can happen that the naturalists are shutting down. Let's keep trucking. World ...that wasn't saturated by mainstream religion. Religious messages have been so normalized,
3: people will take on very baggage-heavy labels as a default. Out of peer pressure, it's what's expected of them to do. Even if they don't truly believe, And thus, undue reverence is given to ideas that are as equally absurd as any other mythology we have left far behind us. This normalizing of religion is the stagnation in society. And this prevents an honest, critical dialogue from actually happening. Imagine we could strip all of the emotion out of these arguments, all of the heritage, all of the baggage, and debate the ideas based solely on Their merit, we would have won already.
0: Now, this individual is claiming to know something that he can't possibly know. This is just an assertion. Um, that if it, you know, I, I like the thought experiment though, I think he's on to a pretty interesting thought experiment. So, let's say that we're dropped here on this planet, we don't have, let's say, we have all of our Western technology and science and all that sort of thing. But um, but but other than like that's prepackaged into our brain, right? And we and we're just dropped here. Would we come to the conclusion that the supernatural exists, that God exists, these sorts of things? Um, that's an interesting thought experiment. Fortunately, the history of the world has answered it with a resounding yes. Yes, we would come to that conclusion because virtually, if not every single culture in the history of the world, has come. To that conclusion, now, perhaps they weren't as advanced as we are now, but I don't see how that helps at all. If you suddenly dropped me here as an alien and taught me everything that we know about the world today, I would still look at the design in nature. I would still recognize what Paul recognized centuries ago, 2,000 years ago, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. The invisible things of God's eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen through what has been made. I would still have that obvious Impression. By the way, I did a, a response video to Joe Rogan and Sean Carroll earlier this year, and Sean Carroll said, it's ob- It seems obvious, right? Now, I, I know what people will say. What seems obvious is not always the correct answer, but sometimes it is, right? Um, that's how we typically function. And uh, while uh, that may be the case, as we go further scientifically and apply science and philosophy to this thing, the design arguments don't get weaker, they get stronger. So (laughs) I think if you dropped me here today, would I look around and say, somebody made all this? Yeah, I probably would. I would still probably ask, how did everything get here to begin with? And I would come upon something like a cosmological argument, because guess what? My kids uh, do that sort of thing. I've said this before, but at six years old, and yes, we were teaching them already Christianity, uh, but at six years old, uh, both of my kids came to me and said, Daddy, I know there's a God, because if there was no God, how'd this stuff get here? So what if we didn't have any religion and we were just kind of dropped here? Would we ever come to this conclusion? It's an interesting thought experiment, but I think it's already been substantially answered. And the answer is yes, we'd come to a God conclusion. And then we build out from there a religion as we try to figure out what this God is like. In which people didn't pretend to know things that they can't possibly know. Imagine. Oh, this is, this is an interesting one. Rationality rules says imagine a world where people didn't claim to know things they can't possibly know. Can he possibly know that no one on earth can possibly know whether a particular religion is true or whether God exists? He would have to know the personal experiences of every single person on the planet. So his comment is a bit, you know, self-refuting. If we gave him what he wanted, he couldn't have made that statement. Let's keep trucking.
3: Religious Moral Authorities When faced with an action that conflicts with our conscience, we tend to rationalize it to avoid the mental conflict between doing something bad and being a decent person, one way being to project the responsibility onto an authority. If there were no morally authoritative religions in the world, then people wouldn't have the option to shunt responsibility onto an intangible, infallible, unchallengeable moral authority. Knowingly harmful actions, in terms of prejudicial or even violent acts, couldn't be excused by obeying the will of God. Of course, this isn't applicable to all religions nor all religious people, and of course there'd still be harmful acts and human authorities to appeal to, but no human authority is intangible, and any would be infinitely less infallible and unchallengeable than the moral commandments that are held with conviction to be the decree of
2: God.
0: Wait a minute, I love this, because back to our theme for most of these, he says, he admits, by his own tongue, of course this isn't all religions, and of course this would be happening even without religion. Okay, what does that mean? It means it doesn't go in the religion bucket. It goes in some other bucket, right? Moving on.
1: Where religious reverence isn't used as a shield for pedophiles, so that they can be recirculated into finding new victims in new areas.
0: Yes, I agree. Does that go in the religion bucket? No, that goes into a particular bucket. Now, uh, it goes into the creep who happens to be in a ministry position bucket and, and is a creep basically. (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, has this happened? Yes. But that, that's, that doesn't go in the religion bucket. And this happens in atheist organizations. This happens, or I should say, at least secular organizations. And in fact, in the past couple of years, there have been particular abuses laid at the feet of a couple of high-level atheist spokespersons. So maybe this just goes in the creep bucket and not in the religion bucket. Maybe. Let's keep trucking.
3: World where children aren't scared of eternal damnation and hell just for being themselves. They can go out, Be free, love who they want to, and not have to worry about burning forever in the lake of fire.
2: Imagine in a world.
0: Imagine a world where children could go out and be who they are and smoke cigarettes and not worry about it because they're being told all the time that cigarette smoking causes lung cancer and will kill them. Imagine a world like that. You say, yeah, but we have evidence of all that. Of course, and we Christians believe we have evidence for the truth of Christianity, including the reality of a place called hell. I have videos on that. There are at least three videos that you can find um, on this channel that deal directly with that issue. Actually, there's more than that. So um, we think we have good evidence of that. This would just move the discussion back to a discussion about the... Truth of Christianity, or the reality of of, um, of the afterlife, or something, but it it wouldn't. It, it, the thing is, if that is the truth about the nature of reality, just like with smoking, if that is the truth about the nature of reality, we would actually be unloving not to tell our kids that. Now, I don't know what he's imagining, but I've never met the Christian that all they ever do is walk around and talk about hell all the time to their kids. I mean, we do live in the same world you do. We watch the same movies, we hear the same music, we live in the world you live in. And as a result, we want our kids to be happy. We're normal parents. We don't want our kids to be all the time thinking about death and hell and all those kind of things. Do we want want them to know about the truths of certain real and dangerous things that exist in the world? Of course, just like we tell our kids not to smoke. But this is a question about what happens to be true. And if it's true, then we definitely should be telling our kids about it at some point
2: religion didn't
3: teach that prayer, or communicating with god, would fix all of the world's problems. For example, after a natural disaster, such as the recent hurricanes, people would potentially donate more money instead of gathering for prayer. Let's stick to what we know actually helps, instead of communicating to a god we can't prove is there and who supposedly created the hurricane to begin with.
0: Um, As far as the hurricane being created by God, um, we have answered that in a recent video series responding to Him at Meta, 78 uh, Questions for Christians. Um, and we've talked about it many times on the show. It has to do with the problem of evil. Um, my answer to that is uh, free will. God wanted a world that would have love in it, and you can't have real love without genuine freedom, so God gave people free choice. But as a result of that, all of creation fell, and a lot of evils happen because of moral, what we call moral evils as well. I can flesh all that out in other videos, including a video I have um, that's a short video on the problem of evil that you can find it's something like, um, why would God allow bad things to happen in the short videos playlist? So I encourage you to check that out. It's about 11 minutes long and um, it's my favorite video on this channel probably. Uh, but um, we, we first of all, would people give more money if they weren't worrying about praying all the time? Um, we've already settled the question of who's given a lot of money. And uh, it's the Christians. It's the religious folks giving a lot of money. Um, but uh, we don't just pray. We pray and we give. I was always uh, raised in my family to, with, the, with the simple practical model of pray like it all depends on God and work like it all depends on you. Um, that's just a way that you can go through life and make sure that you're doing as much as you can to help and also praying. Um, so I don't get this mutually exclusive idea here. And as far as prayer can solve all the world's problems, like he said, we believe that when we pray, we're petitioning God to do something, but it's no guarantee. Prayer is not a magic wand. We don't view it as a magic wand. We're asking, prayer doesn't, in and of itself, prayer doesn't doesn't accomplish the act. We're asking God to accomplish an act. Um, So just a bunch of confusion there, I think. Let's keep trucking.
3: Where morals and rules aren't dictated by ancient texts, but are allowed to develop and evolve as society changes.
2: Can you imagine how... Um,
0: Morals are allowed to evolve and change. Imagine a world like that. You're imagining a world where if morals change, and remember, they're not changing for the better. They're not changing worse, because better and worse have no meaning unless you have an objective foundation for your morality. Um, Now, you could say something like Matt Dillahunty's secular humanist idea of, uh, or Sam Harris's, where where you say, okay, if our goal is human well-being, then we can, we can say we're progressing toward a better way of achieving human well-being. And in that sense, there's a better or worse objectively within your subjectively chosen framework. Uh, I've done videos on that with response to David Wood and Matt Dillahunty's debate. Um, but uh, when, we, when we're thinking about it this way, in terms of the system getting better or worse or getting better or worse in, in a meta sense, there is no better or worse unless you have an objective foundation to appeal to. So uh, you understand that on that paradigm, if it came to the point where um, people didn't think it was necessarily immoral to persecute a particular type of person because of their sexuality or their gender or their race, if that's the way that the whole world tended to go, the culture tended to go, it wouldn't be any worse. It wouldn't be any better. It would just be people doing what they like to do. And you can always say, but we have this, you know, secular humanism that we've crafted. And within that system, the goal is human flourishing. So that would be bad. That's fine. But there's always going to be a lot of people outside of that that don't care about your system. They don't because it's not their favorite thing. They don't like it either. So um, what you're asking for is the undoing of any kind of moral
2: meaning. It's not
0: it, it doesn't help the situation
2: medicine would be, if religion hadn't stepped in the way of stem cell research. Granted, we'd be farther along with regards to all medicines, but my focus is actually stem cell. There's so many things that stem cells can do. I myself took a bullet to the knee And I was told last year that there's now a new therapy to basically regrow my knee. All pain would stop, my nerve cells would grow back. And my doctor told me that if it wasn't for all the blocking advances, this probably could have happened years ago. It's absolutely infuriating the fact that someone's religious views have basically kept me and others in pain. I mean, this is something that could stop pain. It could help with cancer. They're doing research on stem cells versus cancer. I think about things like Huntington's disease and Parkinson's. Could stem cells help in that? How far would we have been if this field was not grinded to a halt by the religious? How much farther would we be? And if it were to suddenly stop, no more opposition, imagine how far we could go. Imagine a world... Notice what he
0: didn't mention there. Abortion. If we're talking about fetal stem cells taken because of, and there, and it results in the killing of a fetus, you're making a huge, listen, I don't want anybody to experience pain. I don't want you to have to have this knee problem. I don't want you to, ha- I don't want people to have to experience cancer. I don't, I don't like any of those things, but that doesn't mean it's okay to kill human beings because of that. It doesn't mean it's okay to kill persons so that we can advance medicine. In fact, This is exponentially worse on anybody's system if you recognize abortion for what it is. And I have, again, videos on this channel about abortion that I think you can't get around. And so so this all hangs on your assumption that abortion is not the killing of a person. That's a big assumption to make to advance medicine. And I want medicine to advance, I, you know, I, there's a real possibility I'll have cancer at some point in my life. fact of the matter is, you're hanging a pretty big assumption that we're literally, potentially, millions and millions and millions and millions and millions, and millions of lives hanging in the balance. Not worth it to me
1: without honor killing, where gays don't fear for their lives and where women everywhere are given equal respect and an equal voice and are treated like human beings rather than assimilating faceless into an ocean of silent black trash bags.
0: Yeah, so again, where does that go? Does that go in the Christian bucket or does that go, or is that go in the religion bucket or does that go in the Islam bucket or some other bucket? And I think that may be the end of the video. They have some nice, um, Um, Sentimental music, I think, to close it out, which uh, so much for Christians in church services using uh, music to manipulate people's emotions. But look, in the end, are they talking about, in most of these cases, real evils or real falsehoods that are a serious concern? Yes, they are. But we've got to be specific with our criticisms if we want to be taken seriously. You've got to make sure that you're criticizing the right thing in its right context. And uh, the fact that you, your favorite position or worldview is that, um, is that God does not exist or you have no reason to believe that God exists or that religions are false or whatever, um, that that's your, your thing, that, that you happen to believe, uh, doesn't mean you get to be so general in criticizing religion in general because of the evils done in a particular religion or an extreme minority, so, I think the best way to get to real solutions to these problems is to continue looking for solutions to the problems in the specific areas where they emerge and not by trying to get rid of something that frankly uh, funds a lot of the charities that we have in the world to resolve some of the very problems that were addressed. I hope that's been helpful to you, and I enjoy this time that we have to, that we've had together listen if you If you appreciate this show um and you'd like to help us, we have um a patreon. A channel, a Patreon account, where you can give monthly to support us. If you're the kind of person that would buy us a cup of coffee or something, if you lived in our area once a month, then uh, maybe you give five bucks or something there. And it really helps us out. It continues to make it where we can have better equipment. Obviously not clearly obvious right now because we're stuck at home during the um, Corona pandemic but um but you can you can uh, you can subscribe to the channel and you can also go to the patreon link that is in the top right hand corner of the screen and click there or go to patreon.com Trinity radio and you can give there and we really really appreciate it one thing that you get is 28 seminary level lectures um, on the problem of evil major world religions uh, Contemporary apologetics and the philosophy of religion, and I'm about to add a new series that is already done um, that I'm going to add to it on uh, the history of apologetics, going back uh, all through the history of the church. And so that should be very interesting. It's also kind of a history of philosophical thought. So maybe that'll be something that you'll be excited about. And uh, we have uh, stuff on we have a bunch of free ebooks that are there uh, on the Patreon thing, some episodes that we've never released to the public, and Uh, Also, um, hey, did you know Jonathan Pritchett used to be in a rock band? You can hear some of that uh, as a patron as well. What else is there? A video where I show how we make our YouTube videos, everything from the thumbnail to the software I use to um, how I find the videos that I use, all these kind of things, how we set up our set, Uh, what kind of technology we use and how to do it cheap or free in some cases so i hope that that's helpful to you and we sure would appreciate it but um we're gonna keep making this content for free whether you decide to support us or not and i just appreciate that you've taken the time to watch this video to the end and with that i'll see you next time on trinity radio